Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle and her guest, Rita Zeman, discuss the ups and downs of weight loss and weight loss surgery, as well as how to have long-term success. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness Rural People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have a friend of mine, Rita Zyman. Um, she has uh, battled weight her, her most of her life. And I wanted to have her on because we're going to talk about... Uh, weight loss surgery. We're going to talk about um, losing weight, gaining weight, and all of the things about that. So welcome, Rita. Thank you, Gabby. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so I want you to start by telling me a little bit about yourself, telling me a little bit about your past and um, just your past with weight and food and diet and exercise and all of that. Oh gosh. Uh, that'll probably take a whole show. <laughs> I, you know, I've always, like many women, worried about my weight for as long as I can remember. I mean, I remember trying to diet in elementary school and being proud of myself in like second grade that I didn't take a donut that was brought into class because I was worried about my weight. So I don't think it's something I've ever not been thinking about or dealing with. And I remember always feeling that in high school. I remember in high school, even though looking back, I was a healthy weight, you know, looking at the pictures, I was like, dang, why didn't I appreciate my body back then? But I remember some girls calling me a Buffalo. And when I was in high school, when I was a freshman, I had a few girls who would call me Buffalo. So that was fun. And in, I think my real out of control weight gain really started happening shortly after I left college um, and I dropped out of college uh, the first time to, to get married. It started after that, you know, being married so young, I got married at 18 and, you know, not really having the ability to cook, being unhappy in my marriage. You know, we ate out all the time. I basically worked at eight is what I did. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most women, if not all can relate to that, even if you are a healthy weight, or even if you're thin, we still have this image of ourselves of where we want to be or where we should be. And what's funny about it is you look back, you know, 10 years later and you're like, oh my God, I wish I could be there. Oh my right. God, I wish I could be there. And, you know, really we should be happy with where we're at right now. And that's, that's, what would probably lead us to have a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with exercise and, and a healthy relationship mentally with ourselves. Um, but it, so it's interesting, um, that we even have that as, as children, that that's even an issue when we're kids and calling other kids names and, and talking about them being fat or overweight and, and it shouldn't be like that. Right. Definitely so, not. Yeah. So you have done a lot of things to lose weight over the years. You, you, um, previously to being a client of mine years ago, you dropped a lot of weight, correct? I did. I, um, when I was about 25, 26, I tried to start eating healthier. I actually went vegetarian for a period and I dropped about 70, uh, 75 pounds without what felt like no effort at the time. Right. Well, it's a little less effort when you're a little younger, right? <laughs> yeah. The choice of being 25. Right. So then you lost all that weight. And then after that, it slowly started to gain it back, getting back up to probably the highest weight you'd ever been. Yes. Yes. And um, then, and I'll actually say, you know, at that point, um, I had had, um, a tummy tuck, I, you know, lost 75 pounds. I was 25. Um, I thought I was doing pretty well. And I ended up having uh, a tummy tuck because I, I thought that I was going to be that weight forever. Yeah. And still not perfect, right? And still not perfect. <laughs> but dang, let me tell you, I, I had a lot of attitude for a little while. 
Yeah. So what do you think led to that future weight gain after losing all that weight? Well, I think at the time, um, one, it was, I mean, I was 25 and so it dropped off easy from making, you know, some small changes and, you know, I was eating healthier. I had a gym at work, which was really nice. I would go down and kind of just run on the treadmill while run, walk, let's be honest, during lunch. (laughs) I'm not a runner either. So don't, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then I would, um, you know, go home and, you know, cook a little bit. What ended up happening is when I was about, and I'm trying to think here, uh, probably about 28, I actually went through a divorce. So I became, you know, a single mom. I, you know, was raising my daughter. I had just finished grad school. Uh, I was trying to figure it out. And even though in retrospect and, and some at the time, the divorce was the right decision for me, it was still like a death. And there was still a lot that I had to process loss and and, grief and change mm -hmm. and all of those things. Yeah. And I, I just started eating, you know, I, I just started eating and I was, I became, you know, very unhappy, very depressed. And I was diagnosed with depression back when I was 12 years old. So that's something that's uh, to this day present in my life that I have to work to manage. And I ended up gaining a lot of weight. And then in 2013, that was the highest weight uh, up until that point. I was about three, I had gotten to about 320 pounds. So um, 2013, I would have been about 33. So over the period of five years, I pretty much um, stayed at home. I kind of disassociated a lot from life. I would work because I obviously had to keep a roof over mine and my daughter's head. And, um, but I would get home and I would zone out. I would use food to zone out. I'd use um, TV to zone out. You know, I I just tried to mentally check out from a lot of things during Mm -hmm. that period of time. So what would you say was kind of your breaking point? You know, for me, a lot of the breaking point came when I realized I couldn't fit into normal society, right? Um, I had, I was having some medical issues and this was, you know, closer to the time where you and I met, but I was starting to have these medical issues and we were trying to get me some medical testing you know, and trying to wait in the doctor's room uh, or the waiting room was impossible because I couldn't really fit into a normal size chair. It was painful for me, but also I remember they wanted to give me, I think it was an MRI or a CT. I can't even remember now. And we had to discuss if I was even going to fit in the machine. And so when you're getting too big from like medical equipment, that was re- I, I knew my health was in jeopardy. I knew I de- what you know wasn't doing well in that regard. But when you can't get a diagnosis because you can't fit in to have a test done, you know that really starts to get problematic. Yeah, I remember you telling me back then, um, and that it really resonated with me. Um, when you were telling me about going to the doctor's office and how much you hated doing that solely because you don't fit in the chairs Mm -hmm. and, and that just, it breaks my heart because it's not something that most people even think about. And that's something that you're dealing with every day, right. Dealing with, you know, getting around and even having, you know, right. Like having to fit into a machine just to get a diagnosis when you're already feeling like death. miserable, you're yeah. miserable, you're unhappy. And then they're like, Oh yeah, we can't do this. So I, I do really, I remember that. And but I think you, people think I was being dramatic about that there, you know, they don't, they can't really wrap their head around that. I remember, um, when I was out here before I, you know, when I was kind of starting the weight loss journey, but this was, 2018, you know, you and I had been working together for a little while and my mom had flown into town and I ended up getting really sick Uh and she took me to the doctor and, you know, she, um, I checked in and she had found us two chairs 
right next to each other. And she motioned me to sit next to her. And I, you know, picked another chair. This doctor's office, I, you know, still to this day has two sets of chairs, like normal chairs and wider chairs. So I had gone to the wider chair and she kind of gave me this look like, why aren't you sitting next to me? And I'm like, mom, I can't fit into the chair. And, you know, she kind of gave me this look like, you know, stop being dramatic. You know, it's just a chair. You can fit in the chair. So I moved to the chair next to her and I pointed, I'm like, look at, look at this mom. And she could then see the sides of the chair digging, like digging in, you know, to my waist or, you know, whatever is right there. And the look on her face when, you know, she really had that light bulb moment of, yeah, oh my gosh, that epiphany. Yeah. you know, she wasn't being dramatic. This, this is a real thing for her. Well, I think it's hard for people to understand unless they've been in your shoes. You know, it's a very difficult thing for people to, to relate to something like that. I mean, even like you have autoimmune disease as well. So sharing that as well, that's something that people are like, yeah, okay. You're in pain, whatever. Oh, you're tired. Everybody's tired. Great. Good for you. You know, but until somebody has been in those shoes and seen and felt what you feel, it doesn't click to them. So for her to have that epiphany moment, like, hello, look, it doesn't, people just don't understand. And I think, you know, that's one thing that I really try to be perfectly honest before I got sick, I didn't understand either. To me, I wouldn't have been able to relate to you at all because I had never been there. I had never struggled the way that I struggle now because of my illness. And, you know, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm grateful for because of it, because it really, it really brings you down to earth. Like you're not, you're not an exception to the rule just because you, you know, are over here. doesn't mean that you can't relate to this over here. So you coming to me and saying those things from day one, what's funny to me day one, when you came, you're like, I want to come every single day and I want to do this. And I was like, okay, let's slow your roll here. You know, you're like, (laughs) maybe not because I've, I've seen it and I've been there and I've been there myself. You know, I know that you, everybody wants to jump all in and go, you know, head first, but you have to take things a step at a time, which is what I think has really helped you to get to where you are today is that you really took each step every bit of the way to deal with each one of the challenges that you have, because your weight was not the only challenge that you've been dealing with over the last few years, you know, (laughs) you're not kidding me. (laughs) So, so especially understanding that too, and it can be really discouraging, but commendable to you that you have kept with it. So that being said, um, you did lose weight before you went to do weight loss surgery. And it's something that I did try to discourage you from just because, (laughs) because, because I wanted you to be successful, not that weight loss surgery does not, is not successful, but I wanted you to be successful before you decided to really make that decision. Um, but you, you had gone to a weight loss surgeon previously to even meeting me. Can you explain, you know, the process you kind of went through with that and why you decided not to go through with it then? Yeah. So, uh, back in 2013, when I, you know, mentioned I had gotten to 320 pounds ish, I started a program. Well, and I was still living in Los Angeles through Kaiser for the bariatric surgery. I was looking at And there are two types, well, there's more than two types, but two types I was considering either the gastric bypass or the gastric sleeve. And so I went through this program and I really have to commend Kaiser for having an amazing program. It was this, I want to say it was 12 weeks. It was uh, mental health related. It was food related. It was, you know, all these things. And I ended up losing... I want to say I got down to about 280, I think, right around during that time. And I got clearance for surgery. I did all the things. It was quite a robust program. And then there were a couple things that happened. One is I was really scared of having surgery. I was scared of having surgery because when I had the tummy tuck, 
I had had a complication that required me to go back in for an emergency second surgery because I was bleeding internally. So I had a lot of fear around the surgery. Um, the other piece was that there was a part of me that knew I wasn't ready. You know, a lot of people and, you know, to be on my soapbox for a second, it's one of my pet peeves when I see, hear people talking about weight loss surgery as the easy way out, because let me tell you, having gone through it, it is not the easy way out. If you don't do the work day in and day out, you're not going to have a result. You know, it's what, you know, what they talked about was it being part of like a stool. The weight loss surgery is one part, but these other things are the other. And if you don't have them all, you're going to fall off your dang stool. Yes. yes. So there was part of me that knew that I still had up here in my head, a big problem with food. I still used it as fun. Probably that was one of the big ones. I still used it as comfort. I still used it when I was stressed, when I was bored. Coping. I yeah. Coping every type of way you could cope. I still had this thing where my tie to food was extreme. Like I, I recall more than one occasion, um, where I would have a really bad day and I'd go to a restaurant and order something very specific. You know, it had to be this with this and this, and if they messed up one thing, it completely ruined it. And I would get into this emotional state that was ridiculous. I would get bad and sad and I wouldn't eat the food because it wasn't perfect and it wasn't going to mentally fix what was whatever was in my head. Um, so there, I knew that on some level that I wasn't ready. And so I elected to not have it at that time. I, um, I jokingly say I chickened out, you know, and it was part of it, but it was also knowing it wasn't the right time for me. You know, I remember when you first came to me, I actually remember some of these things. I remember, you know, I may not have specifically said it to you, but I do remember you and the way you talked about food and the way you would, but, but you recognized it. And you recognize like, I did this this weekend and I know that I shouldn't have, but this is what I wanted. And it didn't, it didn't have the, the reaction and the satisfaction that I wanted. And when you first started, cause you, we lost, I think we were down what 40, another 40 pounds, 45 pounds, uh, maybe something, before you, so, something around there, before, but I had gained weight after 2013 and before I saw you. Yes. But we had, so you, you had gained a little, you'd gained weight back, but so we were back down probably, probably to that 320. I think when I started with you, I was like 350. Okay. Or so. I think we got down to like 320 ish before, before we started having that conversation again about, about weight loss surgery. At that time, I do, I, I worried, um, you were very consistent and you still, uh, you still were, you were on the right track. So I knew that there was potential for success for you because you were ready at that point, you were ready to make a change. You'd had all of these things come at you with, with surgeries and illnesses and, and whatever you were dealing with. And, but you kept going you kept going and you were still there. And I, I do remember having this conversation with you. And one of the things that I, I wanted, you know, I was very adamant about with you. And I know that you were too, was, was going to seek help first and going to find a therapist. And that is something that you did do. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and kind of what, what that has helped, helped you with? Yeah. You know, I found a great therapist here in Arizona and I, cause I was, you know, still struggling with, you know, a lot of things, things from when I was childhood, things at work being, you know, moving to a new state where I didn't know anyone and trying to build out a, a team here at work. 
So I, I did find a therapist and I was going to her weekly for gosh, months, you know, just trying to uncover what was holding me back and trying to get my head right with food. And at the same time, I also started talking to a, essentially a weight loss coach, you know, somebody who I had found who had lost a lot of weight herself to really help me. And what she helped me, so I had the therapist who was helping me with mental health in general, helping me with my coping skills, helping me build strategies for when I wasn't feeling great. And then I also ended up having this weight loss coach for a period of time who was helping me to break weight loss down into habits, you right. know, and, you know, doing things so concretely as, you know, I find I want to have a snack at this time. Okay. Well, what can we do at this time? So, you know, you don't need the snack. Right. Um, and just finding little tactics to help with. And so those two things together help me slowly step away from that need for food because I had to start building my life to what I wanted it to be in order to, you know, lose the weight and let go of that as a coping tool too. I want to touch on something you just said. Mm -hmm. Slowly, <laughs> slowly. Okay. Slowly. Because I think that we as human beings want something to happen now. And I think that one of the biggest keys to your success was exactly that slowly, slowly. taking it step by step, hiring a coach, hiring a therapist, going through this process, going through the training, going through the exercise. Um, and slowly taking the, the taking the steps to make the changes to get to where you want to be. Right. Right. So after you, you saw a therapist, you started seeing the coach, then, then you decided to go see someone about the weight loss surgery. Yep. And tell me a little bit about that process. And it was different than the Kaiser process. It um, was. So tell me a little bit more about that. Um, so this one was different. You know, I, I don't want to speak ill of it. I didn't feel in retrospect, it was as robust as the Kaiser one. I felt we were more on our own. So I was very grateful that I had had such a robust uh, program prior because prior they talked to us about the potential pitfalls. Transfer of addiction is very common in weight loss surgery patients. I alcoholism think and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because instead of dealing with what's causing them to eat, they stop having food. And so they find something else. So I didn't want that. That was a scary thing to me, but so it was a program where I had to go and get weighted monthly for my insurance. And I went ahead and did that. And between when I started there, between my highest weight and my weight loss surgery date, I lost about 85 pounds. I started the, the program itself. I lost from the start of the program to the weight loss surgery, about 54 pounds. So that was nice. So I got to basically 300 pounds on the date of my weight loss surgery. And it was, it was something I felt a little more on my own with. But, you know, because I had been using these other tools, the therapy, you know, the coach, the seeing you to, to start getting that exercise. Cause you remember when I started, I, I couldn't really do, we had to do all of my weights sitting down. Yes. I was sitting down. I had to do exercises on that big, I don't even know what that was. Of, what was it? Caroline's that big blue thing. Oh, a big, suit. yeah. Like a, uh, it's a big table. Yeah. 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 Big table. Like chiropractic had. table type. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> I love that thing because it was the only way I could do things, you know, but I couldn't walk. I could barely walk around my block. Right. 
you yeah. know? So, so you really, I mean, you were starting from zero, you were starting zero, from zero in a very, very difficult, hard place. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a very hard place to get out of because you mm-hmm. get there and, and you get stuck. Like you're saying, you yep. couldn't even walk around the block. And I know, I guess I'll say I could, but it caused me intense pain. Right. Right. Well, even, even yeah. exercising the two pound weights was causing you intense pain. We were, yep. it was, it was rough. It was really rough for you. But again, I knew you were ready because you kept going. Right. And I just, you know, for me, I wanted you to be a success story for yourself. And I knew taking that step to do therapy. I knew taking that step to see a weight loss coach. And I knew, even though you had told me that this program was not as, what's the word? I say robust, but you can use robust any word you want. Like we're talking about a fine wine, but um, robust, but you had already been through that program. So you also knew that and were aware of that. I think um, going into it, you were kind of more prepared mentally you were more prepared physically you had lost the weight um, and you were doing all the steps and using all the tools so after your surgery so you would plan the surgery you had a couple surgeries prior to that not related to weight loss but something you had to deal with I mean they were and weren't right do you remember because do you remember how Every way, every exercise I did with you caused me low back pain, even when it shouldn't be causing me low back pain. Yes. And because I had stopped taking care of my health for however many years that was evident by the weight, but I finally saw a doctor. Remember that led me to this, that led me to that. And, um, it, we found out that I had all those kidney stones. I was like riddled with kidney stones. And what we didn't know was part of the pain working out was actually my kidney stones. You remember after I had that surgery, it right. was easier for me to do things that I was experiencing less pain. Yeah. So, so that taught me that it's all connected, right? Right. All of this, we have to be taking care of ourselves Absolutely. because it leads into everything else. Absolutely. And it's not even just what, when you say it's all connected, it's not even just the physical aspect of it. It is also the mental because it's very taxing, you Mm -hmm. know, you're, you're, and it goes full circle, right? You know, your depression, your traumas, all of that leads you to food. Your food leads you to weight gain. Your weight gain comes back full circle to pain in the body, to the mental, you know, and it's just this cycle of yep. going round and round and round and you know which came first which and and how can you stop it and at what point does it end right right so you're right and and because of the weight with the kidney stones you had to have the surgeries with the kidney stones and all of that and then we move forward but you still decided to go forward with the yep. weight loss surgery i want you to tell you know kind of talk about the process during and after and what you went through and how much weight you've lost since then, where, where you're at today. So, um, when I got cleared for surgery and got my date, you have to do a liquid diet for two weeks. So that was really interesting. And that was something that I never thought that I would be able to do, but I did it. I had a liquid diet for two weeks. It was not fun. It was less unpleasant than I thought it would be, to be honest. But I think some of it was just proving to yourself that you could take control of your life, you know? And of course, there's that whole debate in the diet world about restriction and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, what does that lead to? And so this was not a lifestyle. And, you know, I, I went into it knowing this was a pre-op purpose right? So I did that. And then after surgery, and I was very, very lucky with my surgery, you know, everybody has a different experience. I'm a part of a bariatric support group on like Facebook. So you, which hear, I think everybody that goes through that needs to have, you have yes. to have that support before, during, and after you have yep. to have that. You have to have to surround yourself with people that understand what you're going through, who've been there, who've done that and can help you to take those steps. That's important. And it's ideal to have people who have been through the exact same thing that you are, but I wouldn't count you out. If you don't, 
you need support, you know, where no matter what you could get. It. Yeah. Right. And I feel very grateful that, you know, I have a, a daughter and I have a partner now who are both very supportive of me. So that, you know, is something that I didn't, I didn't have back in the day, I feel like. Um, but so I went through the surgery and I was very lucky. Um, I w- I had the surgery at like eight o'clock one morning and I was out of the hospital by 11 a.m. the next day because I was like, guys, I am ready to go. Um, I experienced almost no pain with the surgery. Um, I got up and I was walking right away. I was sipping my water. So I had a really good experience in, in that way. And a lot of people don't have a lot of pain with the gastric sleeve, but you know, people do. So everybody's experiences vary in that. And then from there, I was on a pureed diet for a while. So that was interesting. We were making like egg salad and blending it up in our little ninja. And, you know, I, I know. And I <laughs> but bought, you had to, you know, you gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. I bought these baby food, these glass baby food jars on Amazon. And so we would like make a batch and like portion them out in the jars. So I would have that or tuna salad or chicken salad or something where I could get high doses of protein in, you know, with the salads, maybe mayo wasn't the best idea, you know, but you would have those and I would, um, you know, eat one of those like two ounce jars every few hours, uh, for gosh, I, I I can't even remember now. And then I slowly started to introduce, you know, some weeks in more solid foods, right? You could kind of go from puree to not really puree, but not really solid, you know, and, you know, I still focus on, you know, having protein as much as possible, you know, protein and veg and veggies. And that I think is like one of the biggest changes that I've experienced. Um, my one, I'm not tied to food as much, I still enjoy food, but it doesn't have the hold over me. It does. If somebody gets my order wrong, I don't freak out. I'm like, yeah, eh, all yeah. Right, order wrong. Order and, the wrong. Other, and the other thing now is, well, gosh, there are so many things we pretty much cook almost every meal we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I keep wanting to say, but has moved down the list is instead of now stealing fries from John's plate, you know, I'm, I'm stealing his broccoli and green beans. I'm like, oh, green <laughs> beans, give me the broccoli, give me the green beans. And it's, it's funny to, to be the person who lived on fast food, lived on eating out, and who's now like, ooh, look at those green beans. Those are looking pretty tasty. You know, it's it's such a it's such a switch to me. I think it's I think it's really cool that you there are new things that you enjoy, um, foods that you enjoy, but you don't put so much clout in it. It's right. not like is that my dog? No, it's my dog. <laughs> My, my chihuahua who is locked out of the office. Mine's I was hoping out. he would settle down, but I guess not. Okay. Mine's locked out of the office too. And he was doing it earlier. So anyway, <laughs> moving along. So <laughs> trying to yell at him shut now. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so, um, you've been through, you've been through the surgery, your recovery was pretty good pretty good you didn't have a really really rough time and a lot of people I know have a hard time because because one of the things they don't do is actually change their habits and change their diet and that actually is it, it makes it much more difficult because you cannot eat the same your body literally cannot process mm-hmm. foods the way that it did before no matter which one you get uh if you get the the ruin why um which is the bypass yeah they're literally taking out part of your intestines yep which, and they're reattaching them so you bypass and and that your body is not getting the amount of nutrients that it needs for the gastric sleeve they're you're they're just making your stomach smaller Correct. So you can't eat as much. And I think people try to eat the same amount as they were previously, and then it makes them sick. And I think that was 
is really one of the big differences um, between when I was first approaching it and when I wasn't, because I was of this mind, I, I was more of that mindset of, oh, I'm going to get this, that'll, this will fix me, you know, whereas when I went through it the second time and I was on the message boards, I recognized people who were sort of rediversion 1.0, because I saw people, so part of the program was you had to, you couldn't gain weight. So between my weigh-ins, I, I could stay the same or I could go down slightly, but if I gained any weight, any weight, I had to start the program over. And I knew this and they were very clear about this day one, but despite that, I would see people in the support group saying like, oh my gosh, you know, I have my way in in a couple of days and I've been eating poorly. You know, what can I do to get under so that I could have a successful way on it? And I would see people recommending, oh, you know, go to a liquid diet or, you know, take diet pills for a few days or um, what is the other thing? Like laxatives? Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, so you could have a, or like the, like, uh, like the wrestlers, uh, yeah. like when the wrestlers get in sweats and mm -hmm. yeah. And people would recommend that to each other. And, you know, my thought, and, you know, I kept my mouth shut cause it's, you know, none of my business, but like, I knew that that for me would be the wrong approach because that would, that would still be the old Rita, you know, who wasn't realizing that the surgery was just part of the process. You still, I still have to do all the work. Every day. Every day. Every day for the rest of your life. And, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to have eat perfectly. Like, no, hello, I just ordered Girl Scout cookies and went through a box in like a day and a half. But that is so unusual for me at this point. You know, it's not, and it's not something that consumes you either. Correct. It's not some, oh my God, I ate this. Now I have to do this. It's okay. I had Girl Scout cookies. So what? Yeah. You just go back to your normal. You go back to the way my you new normal, normal. Yeah. your new normal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that, that I think that that is my biggest worry when people consider the weight loss surgery, that, that, that you're looking at it as a quick fix and, and the easy way out, which it's not that you're looking at it to lose weight quickly, but then you're not, you're not mentally ready to change the things that right. you need to change. And you're not physically ready to do the things that you need to do to keep it off forever, right. because the goal is to lose the weight so that you are at, you're kind of at this baseline of where you, where you want to be up, you know, up or down, you're staying here because your weight will always fluctuate. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be exactly the same. I mean, if you have to take a poop, you're going to be a little bit heavier. You know, if you drink a lot of water, yeah. you're gonna be a little bit heavier. There's going to be days when you eat a lot of sodium or you eat cookies or whatever it is. And not being so focused on that number every single day, but knowing that this, these, this is how I have to eat. This is how I have to exercise. This is how forever and changing that lifestyle, that entire lifestyle, right? And it's interesting you, you say not be focused on that number. So I used to, you know, back in the day, do the Weight Watchers thing and I would weigh in and it wasn't Weight Watchers. That was just what I was doing, but I would weigh in once a week and there was this huge emphasis on whether I was up or down on the scale. And since I started this journey and, you know, this works for some people, it doesn't work for everybody. And sure. I think that's part of the problem is you've got to figure out what works for you up here. I weigh myself now every day. And at first that was weird, but it actually paradoxically took away from me the power of the scale because now it became just the number. Instead of like every Saturday weighing in and, oh my God, I was up two pounds or I was down two pounds. I saw how my body kind of would do this, but I would log it in this app every day. And while it would do this, it kind of, you know, would do this trend line downward. Yes. yes. And so now I'm not as nearly as attached to that number, especially when I can think of, okay, 
Well, I, I had a box of Girl Scout cookies over the last day and a half, so I'm up two pounds. All right, or, or whatever it is. Um, for me with my, my rheumatoid arthritis, if I'm having a flare up, my scale is gonna be up. I know that. Um, if I haven't slept well, my scale is gonna be up. I know that the next day. And so I can piece the, these things together, but see that general trend line going, going down. And that's also why I'm so much more protective now of certain things. Like I am, I'm a maniac about my sleep and you know, people make fun of me for my routine, but I can tell you if I don't sleep well, if I go to bed too late and still have to get up for work the next day, I'm going to eat more the next day because my body is looking for some other type of fuel. So I try to string all these habits together because that's what supports me eating well and feeling good in my body to be able to, you know, put all these things together. I love, I love that you said that. I love that you touched on the, the line going down, because that's also something that we discussed about for a long time too, because I remember when you were going through, through the Weight Watchers and you didn't want to go and you were Mm -hmm. so discouraged. And I was, and, and that's one thing that I, I tried to emphasize to you then. And when you started doing the weight, 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 Mm -hmm. when you started doing, um, taking your weight every single day, that's when you did start to notice to notice weight loss is not linear. Nope. It's not a straight line. It's not going to be, I'm going to, and we, I think we put that in, in people's heads. Oh, lose a pound a week. Mm-hmm. Well, you might lose five pounds one week and gain three the next week. And then you might lose one pound and then you might gain four and then you might lose five pounds again. It's, it's, it's very, very up and down. Like you said, if you, depending on your sleep, depending on your rheumatoid arthritis or your, um, whatever you're going through. If I'm in a flare too, with my Hashimoto's, I know I can tell in my face, like my skin mm-hmm. is tight on my face. I can tell in my belly and, or if I eat something and it's like, you know, now you're a blowfish, right. That, that it's very discouraging for some people, for a lot of people to see, okay, I, I did everything right this week and I didn't lose a pound. I did everything right this week and I gained four pounds. But if you're seeing that that squiggly line Mm -hmm. and the connection of all the points going down is making that downward trend, then you are, you are getting to that point of where your goal is. And, and I don't even want to say necessarily goal because, because it kind of puts, it puts too much pressure on, on that one thing, but, but your, your lifestyle change is dependent on how you feel mentally as well as physically. And I think that that's really important that you, that you said that. And, and again, it's not for everybody. Not everybody is going to feel the same way. Some people have the greatest success with Weight Watchers. Some people have the greatest success with, you know, shakes, but it's, it's a matter of what works specifically for you. Yep. Everybody has to figure out what their, what speaks to them. And that's going to be different for everybody. You know, and you mentioned the idea of a goal. I know people used to ask me, what's your goal? What's your goal? Because everybody wanted this like magic final number that I would get to. And that never worked for me because I, at my highest weight, um, I was almost 400 pounds. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at some point I had been over 400 pounds, but my highest recorded weight was 385.4 pounds. That was the, the highest recorded weight that I've seen. And so to think of, well, to get my BMI in a normal range, I have to get down to 160 something like that. That was too, too far for me. How did, how does one do that? And so I started, you know, having these mini goals, which is what I guess I'll call them. I remember that one of them for me was 304 pounds. And if you do you remember why? what 304 because we were gonna wear onesies we were gonna get onesies which we never did which we really need to do i already have mine by the way you know yeah i need to i I know it's baby blue and it has penguins on it right which i think is what i wanted to get you know and then when i hit that it was like um i wanted to be able to do a zip line and so that one your weight had to be this and then i wanted to um 
Gosh, what was the other thing I wanted to do? I can't believe I'm totally forgetting, but it was something else. I think it was like something at main event, like the rope course I was, you know, going to do, like you had to be something. Um, and then it was, I, I just, for whatever reason, wanted to weigh less than John because that wasn't, you know, another, you know, good goal. And then I wanted to get under 200 pounds, you know? And so I had these goals that I could reach toward that weren't so far off. And for me, that was important because I could focus and I could accomplish that thing and have a little celebration yeah. um, at that time. So can you tell me what your weight is today? My weight today um, is a little up because of the Girl Scout cookies, but I don't really care because this morning I weighed in at 184. Which is under your 200 pound. And that Which was like- under my 200 pounds. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. I mean, that was so huge. Uh, and very exciting and you've, and you've kept it off and you, and you've been maintaining this for quite some time. Um, so I want to talk about the skin removal surgery. Um, I know that you've considered it, um, or scheduled it. What made you decide to actually go through with that? Because that's something that you do on your own expense. I mean, all of this is on your own expense. This is not, none of this is covered by insurance. So, what made you decide that that was something that you wanted to pursue? So I'll say that for some people, some of it could be covered under insurance, but your insurance rules are depend on your insurance. And it's not going to be a, a, a cosmetic procedure. It's going to be, um, I think they call it a paniculotomy, could be covered under in, insurance. And so that's removing the paniculus. I did some research, but there were various things that for my insurance, you know, didn't made it, make it doable for me. So the reason I decided I want to have it and have scheduled it is because I had a lot of loose skin. I mean, look, I'll be honest. Some of it's totally ego, you know, because it hangs down. I don't find it particularly attractive. Some of it is less ego. Like when I lay down, you know, laying at, down at night, having to actually move my, my sagging fat rolls now so I could lay down comfortably in a bed is kind of weird. It's like, hold on, honey, let me adjust my, my fat here for a second. Um, so it's just for me, another part of the, the journey of fe- being able to feel more comfortable in my skin because there's only so much that Spanx can do. And having, you know, gotten into yoga, having gotten into swimming, um, it's interesting, you know, trying to find pants that fit because having that skin, you kind of have to like, (laughs) you know, um, go over that and in yoga, you know, having, having it fall around me. So tell me, um, for anybody else going through anything that you've gone through, what would be your biggest piece of advice? Don't give up. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the, I really think that the, I think it's a proverb that I've really had in my head for the last few years. I have it on my desk at work. Not that I've been at a desk at a, at a job in a long time because yeah. thank you COVID yeah. um, was fall down seven times, stand up eight. And that's really when, when things get rough, that's what I, what I think of is, am I going to quit now? Right. And the answer is I'm not because I've, I've come too far and I'm finally able to, I remember sitting in my house, feeling like my life was passing me by. And honestly, some days I get frustrated right now because because you're sitting in your house, house you can't like, do anything. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> you know, but once this is over, you know, I have, you know, really grand plans. Like there are things now I can, you know, Disney get out cruise. there do. Was it a Disney That was cruise? supposed to be, yes, that, that was supposed to be for my 40th birthday. My whole family was going to go. We had to cancel it because of COVID, um, you know, but we will, we will end up doing that. But for me, it's about not giving up and it's finding what works for you and what you can reasonably live with. I am never going to be a swim sports illustrated swimsuit model. I am never going to be 120 pounds and I'm okay with that. 
I need to find and live the life that works for me. Right. You know, and don't, don't set yourself up for unrealistic expectations. You know, if you are a working mom with three young kids, then, you know, find what you can fit and work into your life. And it does not have to be the same as me or anybody else, anybody else. You cannot compare yourself to anyone because all of our journeys are very, very different, all different. That's yes. I'm going to ask you to share some of your resources, like your coaches and stuff, just so that, you know, people listening, if they need help that they can do that, or maybe some of the support groups that you're in, um, I'll post that like in the show notes and stuff, but, um, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. I I'm really proud of you. I think you've done an amazing job. And I think, I think it shows and I can see it in your face. I can see it in your attitude and just, just how you are has completely changed 180 from the day, from the very first day I met Rita <laughs> from, from Rita is not the same Rita. You, you have a lot more hope. And, and I think that that's really amazing. And, and I think that people can really listen to your story and and maybe have a little hope for themselves too. And then no matter what it is, maybe it's not weight loss. Maybe it's who, who knows, maybe it is battling depression or, or rheumatoid or, or any, any sort of autoimmune or disease or whatever you have there, there is light at the end of the tunnel and you're right. Fall down seven times, stand up eight. And that eighth time, that could be the time that, that you move forward. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Gabby. You're welcome. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, I will post more information in the show notes for you. And if you have any questions, always feel free to contact me. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute podcast and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute podcast, fitness for real people with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you would like more information on today's episode, you can find it in the show notes or you can find it on Gabrielle's website at www.healthybodyworksaz.com. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories from people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.